Capacity this morning. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. If you don't have Bibles, you can find the scriptures in your bulletin. <clears throat> Romans 8, 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you did receive the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment in time to be in the midst of the body of Christ. To be reminded this morning of who we are and whose we are. And it is my prayer that the depth of that reality will be made clear to us all this morning. Would you meet us all in our respective places? Whether happy, sad, tired, excited, meet us. Lord, would you use me up this morning, consume me, that I, may, that I might be a faithful Proclaimer of your word. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question this morning uh, that we have is, what does it mean to be a child of God? And from my studies in the past and my time in study this week, I've concluded that to be a child of God means that you are free and you no longer have to live in fear. That you are free and I'm going to have to live a life afraid. Now you may be asking, what is the significance or importance of this question and answer? Well, I think it's important for a few reasons. A couple of reasons, actually. Number one, it's important to know what it means to be a child of God. Because it has to do with the core of who we are. The core of who you are. For example, our children. If our children have no other identity in this life, that is, if they never become doctors, mothers, fathers, husbands, or wives, lawyers, scientists, if they never become any of those things, they can and will always be identified as the child of souls. So, for example, my Hannah B., if she never becomes a teacher, researcher, mother, or wife, she can and always will be identified as the daughter of Brandon and Sarah Terry. And even, if, and even if no one wants to acknowledge that, that identity is still true. But what does it mean to be a child of Brandon and Sarah Terry? It means that as long as Brandon and Sarah Terry are alive and God keeps us in our right minds, Hannah B. will be loved 
by Brian Minson. Another reason this question is important, and answer is important, um, is because it can be argued that fear is the root of all sin. When Satan made his appeal to Eve in the, in the garden to deceive her, he appealed to what can be described as a fear of missing out on something good. He had her question God's motives. Was God lying to me? Is he keeping something good from me? If he's lying to me, if he's keeping something good from me, I don't want to miss out on that. She was afraid of missing out on that. This is the, again, I think this is the case of most sins we commit today. We sin out of fear. For example, if you cheat on your taxes, it's likely that you're afraid of missing out on some money, right? Uh, if someone does you wrong and you take out revenge on them, it is likely the case that you're afraid that they won't be punished for what they did to you. So you want to take that vengeance into your own hands. If someone has done you wrong and you don't confront them, when you need to, it's likely that you don't do so because you're afraid of how they might respond to you. Fear is the basis of most of the sins that we commit. And I believe this is why Paul says... What he says here in Romans 8. The bite of Christ for millennia have run to Romans 8 uh, for this reason. Uh, to comfort them. Romans 8 deals with the core of who we are in Christ. And when you were born again, when you were given life in Jesus Christ, you were born into God's family. When you submit your life to Christ, when you give him your everything, you are adopted as a child of God. And that means that Aaron is no longer Aaron's son of the devil. He's Aaron, son of God. That means Brandon is no longer the son of Satan. Brandon is a child of God. And because... You, I, are children of God. That means we're loved. And that love, brothers and sisters, is uber deep. Deeper than the ocean. Indescribably deep. And because you're loved, you no longer have to live in fear. Fear is no longer your master. God is. Love is. Because God is love, and love is now your father. Paul says in verses 14 and 15, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. family of God, we don't have to be afraid because God, our Father, loves us. And He's with us. Now, I know that many of us may have not grown up uh, with our fathers, either our fathers absent or maybe abusive. And so, um, for some of us, the term father or daddy might be foreign or even um, repulsive. I know that's 
that's the case for me, the latter. Uh, it's the case for me. But what I beg of you is that you do not confuse your earthly father with your heavenly father. And it's easy to do so because our earthly fathers are to be examples of our heavenly father. And so if you haven't had a good earthly father experience, this is an example of what it means to have a father. Let's say you live in a house with a basement, right? And your mom or dad asks you to go into that basement to get something. But that basement is dark. Because it's dark, it's scary. Because you don't know what's down there. You hear noises and stuff. You don't want to go down there. But this is what it means to have a father. Because he loves you. And because he knows that you're afraid. He will walk with you down into that dark basement and help you do what he asked you to do down there. And we know we're supposed to work this way because Paul tells us that we no longer have to live in fear because we have a father who loves us. But what does it look like for us to live as children of God in this world, loved by our father? Well, I think our children, these children in these, in, the children in this room give us great examples of what it means. So like our children, we make messes that we're not able to clean up by ourselves. Yes, adults, we do that, don't we? We don't do what we're supposed to do when we know better. Or we do things that we're not supposed to do when we know better. We have basic needs that we can't meet ourselves. These jobs that we have, that's not us. We get afraid and need someone to talk to. We get sad and need someone to comfort us. We make mistakes and need someone to correct us. We have bad habits and we need help breaking them. We get excited and we need somebody to tell. And lastly, like our children, we are free to go to God anytime with anything. And that is what he wants, family. We want our children, like, I guess, God like us, and we like God, want our children to be able to come to us to talk about anything, at any time. No matter what they did, we want them to come to us. And whatever they tell us, it won't change how we feel about them. That's the case with God. But all the more. As children of God, we have the same freedom, but even more because there are things in this world that can separate us from loving our children. The primary one being death. Once we die, we can't show our children love. But with God, that's not the case. Not even the most heinous things in this sin-stained world can separate us from God and Him showing His love for us. And Paul makes it absolutely clear in Romans 35 and on. This is what he says. And we confessed it earlier. I believe. Maybe not, but here it is. <laughs> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, Nakedness, danger, or sword, 
Those are pretty bad things, right? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long, we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul seems to be saying here that this is, for his people, this is our lot. These things. Go back to the question. Shall any of these things separate us from the love of Christ, from the love of God? And it's a resounding no in verse 37. And not only is it no, but he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors. That's wild. And it's because of him who loved us. That love is deep, family. He says, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So not even death can keep God from showing love to us. And we see that in his son. Christ lived, he died, and he was raised in love. Because of love for us. And when he calls us home, that's not the end. It's presence with the Father forever. And it's not a boring presence. Heaven is exciting. We're his little ones and he loves us very much. So how does this affect the way we live, though? Practically. Have three, uh, I guess, ways in which this affects the way we live. Number one, uh, as his loved little ones, we are free to love. Before Christ, uh, as uh, slaves to sin, sons of the devil, When we're there, we're, we're slaves to fear. And we're not free to love because love requires sacrifice. And sacrifice means loss. And loss is scary. But as a child of God, you're free to love. Because no amount of loss will separate you from God. No amount of loss will change the way God feels about you. No amount of loss will change the way God sees you. As a matter of fact... Loss means nothing on this side of heaven. Because in time, we gain everything in Jesus. So what does this mean? This means you can love your enemies or people who get on your nerves. And you don't have to be afraid of not getting revenge on them. This means you are free to give to the poor without being afraid of being taken advantage of financially. So what if they trick you? What does that mean? That changes nothing about how God feels about you. It doesn't change who you are either. You're his. You're loved. And either God will do what he does to them, save them, right? Or he'll get vengeance. But that's his. You're good. You don't have to worry about that. 
You be faithful. And it means you're free to confront a brother or sister that, um, that's been in sin out of love. Uh, and not be afraid of a negative response. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations. And we're afraid to have those because we don't know how they're going to respond, what's going to happen, y'all going to fight. We don't, you don't know. But you can be free to love as you need to love in those conversations. Even if it's messy. Even if they call you names. Because it doesn't change who God, how God sees you. It doesn't change who you are. You're still loved. As God's little ones who are loved, we are free to try. Now here I'm talking to the perfectionist here. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those. And um, I personally have been afraid to try things because if it's... If I know I can't do it like it needs to be done, I won't do it. So evangelism, for example. If I feel like I don't have all the answers, uh, or I'm, I'm able to answer, if I, if, I, if I play a scenario in my head, what if they say this, what am I going to say, and I can't, and I don't have an answer to what they might say, then I won't do it. But first of all, Brandon, salvation ain't up to you. God calls you to open your mouth. He does the saving, right? Secondly, if they reject you, that's all right. It's in his hands. It doesn't change who you are. We can be free to open our mouths and try to share this, this good news that we're here for to others and not be afraid of rejection. Because that rejection means nothing concerning who you are. Even if you stumble over your words. Even if you don't know what to say. It's all good. Lastly, um, as God's little loved ones, we are free to be weak. That's hard. To be weak is difficult for sinful man. Because for many, if not most of us, if not for all of us, pride gets in the way. To admit that you can't, to admit that you don't know, to admit that you're sad, that you're really angry. To admit those things, it's just difficult for us. But with God as our Father, we are free to give him everything. Even in our most vulnerable states. He knows that about you already. He wants you to give it to him. Just like our children. When they are sad. When they've done something wrong. They are free to come to us. We want them to come to us. With the most basic uh, needs or requests. And there's no shame at all in running to Christ in your weakness. There's no shame at all. And when you feel that shame, that is a lie from the evil one. That was the lie in the garden. That's why Adam and Eve hid. 
But with God, there is no shame. There is no shame with your father. There is no shame with our children. There is no shame with him. Which means you can give God your everything. You can admit your most, the most, the darkest sins that you have that no one knows about. He wants that. He wants to set you free. And when you give it to him, you will be free. Christ has made that possible for us. So little ones, God loves you very much. He loves you very much. And in his love, he sets you free. In order that you might not have to live a life of fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that it pleased you to love us so much that you sent your son to make us sons and daughters of you, Heavenly Father. And here's my prayer, Lord. God, that your spirit would indeed bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And particularly in these moments in life, we are prone to live according to fear. Remind us, remind us in those moments that when we are afraid, we don't have to live afraid because we're loved. And love overcomes all fear. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.